Hello everyone and welcome to the JG Ministries Bible Study where we study God's Word. Last time we finished with verse 22 of the second chapter of the book of Mark with a question on fasting. And today we're going to continue with verse 23 where the Lord deals with the controversy over the Sabbath. And the next two stories of conflict will center on the keeping of the Sabbath, something far more important in Judaism than was the question of fasting. So turn with me to chapter 2 of the book of Mark, verse 23. Now verse 23 begins, Now it happened that he, Jesus, went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, Have you ever read what David did when he was in need and hungry, and he and those with him? Now he went into the house of God in the days of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to him, or said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. <clears throat> now let's stop there and take a look at verses 23 and 24 together here. Because this incident illustrates the conflict that Jesus had just taught between the traditions of Judaism and the liberty of the gospel. Now, as Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, his disciples picked some grain to eat. Now, this didn't violate any law of God, but according to the hair-splitting traditions of the elders, the disciples had broken the Sabbath by reaping and perhaps even by threshing, which is the rubbing the grain in their hands to remove the husk of the grain so they could eat it. The main point at issue here was not the act of harvesting the heads of grain in the fields that didn't even belong to them, because such activity as Jesus and his disciples were involved in was explicitly allowed in the law. And we can take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 25, where it says, when you come into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the heads with your hand, but you shall not use a sickle on your neighbor's standing grain. So the law allowed them to take some of this grain as long as they didn't use a sickle or a tool to harvest the grain. So what the Pharisees objected to was the reaping and the threshing they did with their hands on the Sabbath. Not that they were reaping and threshing, but they did it on the Sabbath. That's their complaint. Now, picking up with verses 25 to 26, we see that Jesus meets the accusation of these Pharisees with a counter question about the time when David and his companions were hungry and they ate the consecrated bread. 
Now let's take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 21, the first six verses. Because now it says now that David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, Why are you alone and no one is with you? So David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has ordered me on some business and said to me, Do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you or what I have commanded you. And I have directed my young men to, su to such and such a place. Now therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread, if the young men have at least kept themselves from women. Then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly, women have been kept from us, about three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the vessel this day. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread but the showbread which had been taken from before the Lord, in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. And if we take a look here uh, at Leviticus chapter 24, Verses 5 through 9, it says, And you shall take fine flour and bake twelve cakes with it. Two tenths of an ephah shall be in each cake. You shall set them in two rows, six in a row, on the pure gold table before the Lord. You shall put pure frankincense on each row, that it may be on the bread for a memorial, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord continually being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant, and it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place. For it is holy to him from the offerings of the Lord made by fire by a perpetual statute. So Jesus is referring to this story here when he says David ate the showbread. And although the action of David was contrary to the law, he was not condemned for it. Jesus does not claim that the Sabbath law has been technically broken, but that such violations under certain conditions are warranted. And the Lord answered them using an incident in the Old Testament, which was David, though anointed as king, had been rejected and instead of reigning was being hunted like a partridge. And one day, when all of his provisions were gone, he went to the house of God he went to the temple and he used the showbread because there was no other bread around except for the showbread. And he used this to feed his men and even himself. Now, ordinarily, the showbread was forbidden to anyone to eat except for the priest. Yet David was not rebuked by God for doing this. And why? Well, because things were not right in Israel. As long as David was not given his rightful place as king, God allowed him to do what ordinarily would have been considered illegal. And this was the case with Jesus. Though anointed, he was not reigning, but the very fact that his disciples had to pick grain as they traveled showed that things were not right in Israel. And the Pharisees themselves should have been extending hospitality to Jesus and his disciples instead of criticizing them. 
Now, if David had actually broken the law by eating the showbread, yet was not rebuked by God, how much more blameless were the disciples who under similar circumstances had broken nothing but the traditions of the elders. And verse 26 says that David ate the showbread when Abathar was high priest. According to 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 1, Ahimelech was priest at the time, and Abathar was his father. Now, it may be that the high priest's loyalty to David influenced him to permit this unusual departure from the law. But as we continue to verse 27 to 28, the follow-up pronouncement is preceded by the phrase, Then he said to them, suggesting an independent saying of Jesus that is relevant to the subject that is at hand. Now, to Jesus, the Sabbath was not created for its own sake. It was a gift of God to the human race. And its purpose was not to put humans in kind of a straitjacket, but it was rather for their own good, to provide rest from labor and an opportunity to worship God. Now, Jesus closed his discourse by reminding these Pharisees that the Sabbath was instituted by God for man's benefit. It wasn't instituted for their bondage. And Jesus added that the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. He had given the Sabbath in the first place. So therefore, he had the authority to decide what was permissible and what was forbidden on that day. So certainly the Sabbath was never intended to prohibit works of necessity or even of deeds of mercy. Now, Christians are not obligated to keep the Sabbath. That day was given to the nation of Israel. Now, the distinctive day of Christianity is the Lord's Day. It is the first day of the week. However, it's not encrusted with legalistic do's and don'ts, but rather it is a day of privilege. When free from secular employments, believers may worship, serve, and attend to the culture of their souls. For us, it's not a question, is it wrong to do this on the Lord's Day, but rather, how may I best use this day to the glory of God, to the blessing of my neighbor, and to my spiritual good? Now, in verse 28... We have a statement of Mark about Jesus or of Jesus about himself. If verse 27 is a separate saying of Jesus that was inserted by Mark to climax the teaching of Jesus about the Sabbath, then it seems best to regard this verse as Mark's comment to the church. But in any case, Jesus has authority to determine the use of the Sabbath. Now, this story is also told in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. And it is also told in the Gospel of Luke, which is in chapter 6, the first five verses. 
The Old Testament had strict laws about Sabbath observance, but Jewish tradition had added so many restrictions to avoid breaking the law that the Sabbath almost became a burden rather than a day of spiritual and mental and physical rest. The people had to work at avoiding work on the Sabbath. And Jesus' assertion that he was the Lord of the Sabbath was equivalent to a claim of deity. In fact, even on the Sabbath, they weren't even allowed to fix their meals. They would actually fix them a day prior because even they were considering that much work, if you will, to prepare a meal was work and working on the Sabbath. So they would prepare their meals ahead of time. Now we get into chapter 3 here where we are going to see a healing on the Sabbath. And let's begin with verse 1. And he, again, this is Jesus, entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. When the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy Jesus. So we have this final conflict story. Mark again gives no details of the time or even geographical location. But we do know that the story takes place in a synagogue where there is a man with a shriveled hand. Now apparently some sort of paralysis is meant but another test case arose on the sabbath so we have jesus entering the synagogue again he meets a man with a withered hand and this raised a question would jesus heal him on the sabbath if he did the pharisees would have a case against jesus or so they thought so imagine their hypocrisy and their insincerity. They couldn't do anything to help this man, and they resented anyone who could. They sought some ground on which they could condemn the Lord of life, Jesus. If Jesus healed on the Sabbath, they would rush in to kill him like a pack of wolves. Now, Mark does not specifically identify the opposition here, though he clearly means the Pharisees and also the teachers of the law. Jesus had already raised suspicions in their mind because of his, his unorthodox actions. These men were present in the synagogue to spy on Jesus. They were looking for a reason to accuse him. They were convinced of Jesus' power to perform miracles. But what they were wondering 
is if Jesus would break the rabbinic law that allowed healing on the Sabbath only if that life was actually in danger. And we see in verses 3 and 4 that Jesus was fully aware of the designs of this opposition. Instead of acting carefully, he commanded the man to stand up and come to the center stage, if you will, so that all of the people in the synagogue could see what Jesus was going to do to him. Now, Jesus knew what was racing through these religious leaders' minds, these Pharisees, these teachers of the law. So Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? Now, perhaps Jesus meant that there is little difference between manslaughter and refusing to be concerned about relieving a distressed person, or perhaps Jesus was indicting the Pharisees who were already plotting to kill him. The Pharisees were silent. They didn't say a word. They refused to debate this issue with Jesus. So Jesus tells the man to step forward. And the atmosphere is changed with expectancy. What is he going to do? Then Jesus says to the Pharisees, you know, he says, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to, to do evil, to save a life or to kill? Because this question reveals the Pharisees' wickedness. They thought it was wrong for Jesus to perform a miracle of healing on the Sabbath, but not wrong for them to plan his destruction on the Sabbath. They didn't think it was wrong to think about killing Jesus on the Sabbath. And we see that anger which is rarely directed, it's attributed to Jesus. When Jesus was angry, it was never the expression of injured self-concern. It was more of a righteous anger, a righteous indignation. It's what a good person feels in the presence of stark evil. And such anger was particularly appropriate to this situation Jesus saw the stubbornness of these Pharisees, the, the unfeeling, cold hearts of these Pharisees and these teachers of the law. So Jesus orders the man to stretch out his hand. The man obeys, and he is instantly and completely restored. His arm is healed. So you can kind of see in one aspect, it's no wonder they didn't answer. And then after some embarrassing silence, perhaps the Savior orders the man to stretch out his hand. He did so. He gets full strength that is returned. It's immediate. And the flesh is filled out to its normal size, you know, because we see in Scripture it was withered. And now it's a normal size. It looks normal now. The wrinkles disappeared. It's, it's 100% good. And the healing resulted in further amenity against Jesus because that was more than the Pharisees could take at this point so the Pharisees they head out they go out they they contacted the Herodians <clears throat> which is actually their traditional enemies and the Pharisees along with the Herodians plot to destroy Jesus 
And they're doing this. Keep in mind, it's still the Sabbath. And they're thinking about murdering somebody. So the Herodians were influential Jewish members of the political party that supported King Herod. And they're going to join in opposition to Jesus because they feared he might be an unsettling political influence in Palestine. We know that Herod had brought about the death of John the Baptist, and perhaps his party would be equally successful in killing Jesus. Anyway, this was the Pharisees' hope. So the Pharisees are joined now by the Herodians. And they were, like I said, the Herodians were probably influential Jews who were friends and even backers of the Herodian family. So they're going to go and they're going to begin to plot Jesus' death. And with that, I want to stop because next time we're going to get into more of the later Galilean ministry. We're going to see... Well, there's great multitudes coming to see Jesus, and he's going to have to withdraw to the lake because there's so many people. So be sure to come back for that next time. And until next time, God bless you, and keep living Christian's Christians.